It's a mean world out there. And it's a mean rage. Let's change the culture. Let's change the way we think about this world. Let's have a hell of a time doing it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, a home for comedy, a home for some politics, and a daydream of a world that doesn't suck. I'm Brian McWilliams. Welcome to this man world. Yo, what's happening, Yosefs and Yosefinas? Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, episode 24. Yes, episode 24. You can divide that. No, wait a minute. By 12, twice. That's good. You divide it by four. Anyway, it's good times. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I am uh, very tired. I am very much out of it a little bit here because, as you may have heard, I have a new baby. I am be babied. I am with baby and uh, had a beautiful daughter on uh, Friday morning, very early in the a.m. And uh, oddly enough, I, I was there for the first time, first daughter, because I, I have another daughter who's two and a half, was there for the first time. And uh, this time missed it, though, because I was told by the doctor, like they, my, my wife went in, they induced her because they wanted to have the baby come a little bit earlier than the due date. And, uh, you know, nothing, no, no big problems or anything. And then nothing happened, you know, tight as a drum. So they go, all right, you can go home. You're fine. You know, I have my, my toddler daughter and I easier to go home put her to bed, sleep in her own room rather than trying to find somebody and, you know, toss her in another bedroom. But it was kind of funny because, you know, I get a call at three in the morning from my wife or you know, texting, she's texting updates. Oh, shoot. I think it's coming. Uh oh, uh oh, it's moving fast. And I'm like, oh, God. So we're trying to figure out, should I, in fact, go and throw my daughter into our friend's bed, you know, up the street, a block up the street. You, you know, God bless her. She's like, look, you, you can put her in my bed and I'll sleep on the couch. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be a good idea. Go wake my daughter up and then throw him in somebody's bed in the middle of the night. You know, she'll be like, oh, can't believe it. So anyway, I ended up missing the birth, sadly, but all is well. The kid is happy and healthy, and uh, and I am now the father of two girls. So I am pretty damn tired. I uh, Last night, you know, we're waking up, uh, going, to, going to sleep at 10, you know, last feeding 10, and then you wake up several times. And of course, my dog, who is an asshole, he decides that at 3.30 in the morning that he's going to bark because he hears my wife moving around in the other room. And now he thinks it's time to eat. So, of course, he has to bark and wake us up. So it's just been a slog. And on top of it all, my two and a half year old got sent home from daycare. So we are also juggling that. It's just, uh, well, it's just good times. But. Regardless, I can't complain too much. I know a lot of people out there have vastly uh, more issues when it comes to even having children, uh, to adopting, to having healthy children, no, uh, no problems. So I am very happy and grateful. So on to the show. One thing that I was thinking about, right, in the wake of everything going on, you know, the queen dies. Rest in peace, you old bag. You know, the queen's dead. I don't have anything personally against the queen uh, other than just, you know, uh, the fact that her son does definitely seem like he might be a pedophile, you know, involved in the Epsteins and that ABC News covered up a whole a whole story on Epstein and his ties to all these politically powerful people because they didn't want to upset the royal family and Harry and Meghan. You got to have your interview with Harry and Meghan, the two most privileged assholes ever to walk the earth. But she's dead, right? And... Prince Charles is the one lined up to replace her. Now, 
you might wonder, how does this tie in with Brian having a baby? Well, I'll tell you how it ties in. It's because one of the things that I think about, right, when I think about the future for my kids, what I'm fighting for, what I do this show for, what I'm, you know, what my political beliefs are, fighting for freedom and free markets and against this tyrannical expansion of government on a both state and national and international level, it's because my worry is in fact very much relevant to climate change about the future and what the world is going to be for my children. But for me, my worry is not that it's going to be some apocalyptic future because the earth warmed a degree and a half. I'm not worried about humanity surviving. I do not believe that as Bernie Sanders says, the world is going to be uninhabitable for our children. No, it's fucking not. It's going to be perfectly habitable. (laughs) Don't worry. It's going to be just fine. But what my concern is, is not them overcoming or getting uh, getting killed by uh, polar bears that are now traipsing across the plains and, and finding you know, different pastures like in Lost. My worry is the authoritarian governments and their next pivot away from the COVID regime, away from, you know, away from the, the different wars on terror and now into the new war, which is climate change. And Prince Charles specifically, you may recall, I talked about this when he first said it, and this was about, actually, this is about a year ago. As I remember, I was in uh, I was in Austria for the Austrian Economics Conference, and it was in November of last year. So Prince Charles had said that we have to treat climate change as though we are fighting a war. All right, because, uh, is that just harmless rhetoric? Right. People say everything's a war. You know, we had cupcake wars. It doesn't mean people are literally shooting cupcakes at each other. I'm not seeing anybody be bayoneted in the eye with a sugar spear. However, I would watch that show. If anybody's listening, if you work out there for Discovery Channel, uh, I know you're revamping a lot of your offerings. Good good job ousting Steltler at uh, CNN. But uh, yeah, I would definitely watch a show where people murdered each other with cupcakes. I'm just saying. But When you talk about climate change and a war-like setting, right, this is intentional. This is tactically important to remember. This is what scares me about climate change, the authoritarian push, and the mandated approach these people want to shove down our throats. When you talk about a war, when you talk about the approach that governments take to war, what are you accepting? A few basic premises. And Prince Charles is well aware of this, and he wants to, he's using this language for a reason. When you have a warlike state, well, number one, your private property isn't your private property anymore, right? Isn't that part of the great reset of what these people want to do? Yes, they want to take away your property, right? Didn't uh, Klaus, Klaub, Schwab, Schlaus, Carl Schwab, (laughs) I can't remember his actual name. Uh, Again, my brain is completely encased in fog right now, but- the guy who's written about the great review said that the, the German master behind this concept has told you you'll own nothing and be happy, right? So these people constantly are teaching you that, well, you should own nothing. Well, guess what? During war, very often your private property is confiscated, right? Whether that be goods, whether it be metals, whether that be gasoline, whether that be homes, even though it's in the constitution, right? You're not supposed to be able to be forced to take soldiers into your home. Well, we've seen what the constitution means, means jack shit. Especially because so often when we're doing something like fighting a war, like the war on COVID, well, things that are blatantly unconstitutional happen all the time. The Constitution does not protect you. By the time the Constitution could theoretically protect you and the Supreme Court rules on it, well, it's got to be 12 months from now and your house is already gone. 
Your property is already taken. Good luck getting it back. But when we talk about war, we talk about the fact that you now are going to be giving up your personal private property. And there's not much you can do about it except violently fight back, should you so choose. Now, the other thing to remember about war is that they're nationalizing things all over the place. We constantly see, like with you know, the Biden, was it the, uh, the God, I'm trying to remember the name of the act, basically the, the act that enables him to tell people, well, look, we're going to change this company and this factory. We're going to make ventilators now. You know, the things that killed tons of people before we thought that, uh, well, we, thought, we thought that ventilators were keeping people alive during COVID instead of destroying their lungs and, uh, and killing them faster. Well, during war, you can nationalize, you can change, you can adjust, you can limit, because really, don't forget that during wartime, well, we're all going to be rationed. Another aspect of things, you are forced to ration. Is that going to be fossil fuel rationing? Well, it's a war on climate. And if the if the basic premise that we're supposed to accept is that carbon is the great evil, it's the great Satan, even though there's much to debate about that, well, then you have to be rationed. The United Nations is already talking about mandated energy reductions of something like 10% across the board. Mandated energy reductions. Rationing brought to you by the war on climate change. Now, in the UK and in the uh, European Union, we're also talking about a a state of affairs that they brought on themselves through stupid decisions, through short-sighted virtue-signaling green energy pushes, through shutting down nuclear reactor plants, and to dependency on one energy source, aka Russia, for the majority of their uh, of their gas and oil. But still, they're fighting a war against Putin. They're also fighting a war against climate. And guess what? You are the ones that are going to be forced to ration so that they can win this war. And there have been people on record saying that they will not back off Ukraine in order to make your energy bills cheaper because they've given them their word. Well, they've given people their word on climate too, haven't they? I mean, we've heard, we've heard bold proclamations on climate over and over and over again. And now we're at war. So let's establish what we've gone through already. You will own nothing and you will not be happy, but still your private property will be confiscated. Two, your industry can be nationalized. They can take away, they can nationalize all the oil companies if they so desire, right? Well, we're during war. Nationalize them, cut production, force people to drive around on their you know, tuk-tuks. Maybe it's, it's good I have a younger daughter now. I can, I can have one on each side of the tuk-tuk to pull me along. And what's the last thing that we can always accept as a basically a pillar of wars when it comes to the state apparatus and how the state looks at war? Well, acceptable casualties, everybody. Acceptable casualties. Any war that's fought, any action taken during a war, well, there's going to be acceptable casualties. And if it's a war on climate that we're being told is an existential threat to humanity, well, then I guess we're just going to have to accept that some people are going to have to die for us all to survive, right? So the question becomes, what is that acceptable level of casualty? that people like Prince Charles, the new king of England, is willing to accept. England, which, of course, notably had already accepted and said that there is an acceptable level of children that would be murdered when we take actions abroad. But, you know, you got to break a few eggs. Point being, guys, the war on climate is a war on all of us. And I've said this before in earlier episodes, the war on climate is a war on the poor because every war is a war on the poor, but specifically climate change. 
Because fossil fuels, which have lifted billions of people out of base poverty, have raised and elevated people's ability to provide, to sustain, to farm, to create goods and services. I talked about the shortage of fertilizer, the forced shortage and restrictions on fertilizer, nitrogen-based fertilizers, which are putting farms out of business, which are destroying economies, which are causing countries to be overthrown like Sri Lanka. All of that, guess what? It's from the war on climate change. These people have already decided that they have acceptable losses they're willing to take. And guess what? You guys are one of them. So that's the fear I have when I talk about climate change in my kids. It is nothing about them surviving actual climate change, be that man-made, be that natural. I have confidence in technology and our ability to overcome whatever is going to come our way. I don't think that the world is going to end within the next 50 years. And they talk about climate change. Well, oh, you're, again, Bernie Sanders just gave a speech on this. Well, you know, we could they say that if climate change happens, we can never go back. Well, guess what? Fun fact, they just went through this Arctic pass, right? A glacier-filled pass. And because of climate change, they were now able to go through the glacier pass in areas they weren't able to get to before. And guess what they found? All sorts of Viking artifacts. Holy shit. You're telling me Viking artifacts were in this glacier. Well, I guess that that means that glacier wasn't there more than a thousand years ago. I guess that means that the glacier had melted down to this point well before the industrialization of the earth. If these Vikings were able to go through there, if they have all this shit that you're finding, doesn't that mean that things are constantly changing on the planet and we would be presumptive assholes full of ego and hubris to presume that we have such a magnificent effect on it that we can, number one, alter things in such a short period of time, and number two, that we can change them back and that nothing else is going to change this input. There's no other things in the system that might alter it. It's just mind-bogglingly stupid. But yet, no one seems to be blinking an eye, and you are an acceptable casualty. I know. Exciting way to start the show, guys. But I'm going to talk about some other stuff, too. Some funnier stuff a little bit later on. Oh, by the way, you might have noticed something a little different. Mark Claire not on the show anymore. I know I talked about last week, but it was probably a little bit jarring to not have the Mark Claire podcast, the uh, Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire flagship show on Monday. John's show will be the Monday show moving on, by the way, on, on Finding Freedom. I will stay on Wednesdays and we'll see. We might pop in like this Friday. I think I might pop in a, a show that Robbie the Fire and I recorded. We did a, a live cast of us breaking down the Hillary Clinton, Chelsea Clinton gutsy show that is on uh, Netflix, oh, no, Apple TV, which was as terrible as you would ever expect. The the fake laughing, the the awful nepotism, the complete lack of humor, understanding, candor, or self-reflection was on full display. And we had a fun time mocking it. I was very tired and very drunk during it. So uh, I slurred quite a bit, but make sure to check that out. And I think, like I said, I'll, I'll post that audio on Friday. But regardless, uh, Mark is doing his own thing. We, uh, as I said last show, all all the the power to him in the world. We are all good here. So make sure to support what he's doing and uh, welcome back. If you guys are coming back to us after a little uh, little hey, you know, a hiatus, 
Welcome back to our party pod here. Um, by the way, one other thing, guys, I want to tell you about is that we've got, we've got uh, a, a man you might have heard of, a little uh, a little man by the name of Buck Johnson, who I always like to say, a buck buck. <laughs> a buck buck. But I want to tell you guys about uh, something I'm really interested in. It's called the Mises Mayors Pack. And this is basically formerly known as Mises GOP, but these guys and uh, and girls have put together a pack wherein you can donate and all the money going in there is actually going to fund local races for candidates like Buck Johnson. Buck Johnson is actually going to be running for city council. Um, Buck's awesome. I, I love everything that he's doing. So I recommend you guys check out the Mises GOP. Now you can go to Mises GOP forward slash, sorry, Mises GOP.org forward slash lion and use that link, pop on in there, donate money. It goes a hundred percent to him or a hundred percent to the pack. The pack's not going to be paying themselves out. They're not going to be spending money willy nilly on this bullshit. It's literally all going towards the candidates. This is a mission based organization. I want you guys to check them out. I think what they're doing is interesting. And I think that putting forward more people that can run on city councils and have a really big impact on a lot of people's lives and show them what real leadership looks like from a Mises candidate is vitally important. So again, guys, go to MisesGOP.org forward slash lion. Okay. So talked about climate change. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to add in on that with my, uh, my, my sleep addled brain. Um, let's move on and talk about, oh, there was one more thing. I remember one more thing that I wanted to tie into this. And that's that a new, new report just came out that slavery is at a new 10 year high. Yes. 2022 modern day slavery is at a new high. Why? Well, oh, because of all the, all the factors you would expect. COVID put a lot of people out of work, put a lot of people, they were literally just destitute and people took advantage of that and they made them into human slaves or they were forced, quote unquote, forced to take on human slaves because they couldn't pay people to do the job. So they went and found somebody that would deal them a slave. Now, of course, this isn't in America. This is all in those poor countries that we want to have war on and deny the use of fossil fuels, deny them the advantages that come with fossil fuels as a cheap, abundant source of energy that, of course, America and other very developed countries have gotten ahead on over the past few decades that enables us to now stupidly eye up green energy sources that aren't ready for prime time yet and debate ruining our economies over. But in the meantime, we want to make sure no economies can flourish. So, again, upward pressure inflationary pressure on the cost of energy across the board, more human slavery as a result, COVID lockdowns, people forced out of their jobs, forced forced into uh, destitution. Let's not forget that children, many times in third world countries when people do not have the ability to pay or feed them, they will sell their children. This is not a, a theory that has gone untested over time. This is something that is a fact. Children are often sold into slavery. So, who can we blame for all this slavery? Well, how about the global elites that have upturned the entire economic society, that have overturned the basic premises of how our, how our societies interact and operate, meanwhile shutting down basic economies that most people depend on, and oftentimes because of the shutdowns in the supply chains, that comes from the poorest nations among us. And in the meantime, oh, that's left forget that inflationary pressures cost more for energy, upward mobility of food inflationary costs so people can't afford to buy the food or feed their family. And on top of that, let's crack down on all the fertilizers so that the people can't even fertilize the crops so they can't hire people to help them cut the crops in, that there's far less food to go around. Again, 
All of these things are interrelated. And to think that they are not, as I'm sure leftists will tell you, well, it's the, the rise of slavery is because people, uh, they're mean. It's, it's capitalism. It's capitalism. No, no. It's all of the wars that these elites undertake. That's what causes an uptake in slavery like this. So just adding that in on the end. Now then, as the title might indicate, the topic of could Blazing Saddles, one of the greatest films, right? you know, Mel Brooks's best, I would argue, although History of the World was also hilarious. History of the World definitely would not be allowed to be made today. Um, you can't you can't have fun uh, with Hitler anymore, guys. You just can't do it. The Libertarian uh, Party of New Hampshire learned that. And as I said, I got in a big fight with Kathy Young because you can't make Hitler jokes anymore, not unless they're Trump-related. But Blazing Saddles, breakthrough comedy, you know, took a gamble, Mel Brooks, and, and it was without a doubt a political comedy. Let's not let's not pretend that it wasn't or, or be ignorant of that fact. It was a blatantly political comedy, but it also was very, very funny. Something that has completely lost any possibility in today's society, which is something I was talking about before. These wokesters, when they try to make anything today, they just, they suck all the comedy out of it. They, they trip, focus so hard on the message, they forget the funny. So Blazing Saddles. A film in which you have a black protagonist who is still treated like a racial stereotype by everybody else. And that's a key component to remember, right? Because the Pooh and the Simpsons was taken off of the show because he was a stereotype. Even though, just as in Blazing Saddles, the stereotype was intentional because you need the stereotype to have people play off. You have to have a character that can in some way live up to that stereotype so you can turn it on its head. Otherwise, you're not getting through to people. You have to have people react to them in a stereotypical fashion to show that these people are, in fact, ignorant in a funny way. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But you have to have the capability to create that content. Right now, the question is, would you be able to or not? So I thought about this. And I was convinced for a very long time that you could not make Blazing Saddles today, that it simply wouldn't happen. But then I saw a very interesting tweet. <laughs> so let me get a supporter. Being up, uh, up all night. Boy, still a horse. I saw an interesting tweet. And it said, you know what? Of course they would make Blazing Saddles today. But all the people complaining that they would never make Blazing Saddles would just call it woke and not watch it. I said, fuck, man, that's a really good point. That's, I mean, a legitimately very interesting point to flip it on its head like that. And I think there's a lot of merit to it. So the question, <laughs> the question now becomes, would Blazing Saddles be made? And if it would, is that person right? Would they make the exact same film, but people wouldn't watch it because they said it was woke bullshit? Or if they made Blazing Saddles today, would it be a different demon? Now, let's take the first premise. Let's say they made Blazing Saddles today. What could you say going into it? Could you go in and say, like, for me, walking into most movies today, my woke dar is up. Like, for example, I watched The Lord of the Rings, right? The Lord of the Rings has a new a new uh, streaming show on Amazon Prime uh, called the, <laughs> the Rings of Power. There we go. Come on, brain. Come on, brain. Kickstart it. The Rings of Power. Now, going into this, all of these people had complained that it was an ultra-woke version of Tolkien. Now, I don't know. I, I, this, From what I could see in episode one, I watched episode one last night because I knew I wanted to talk about it tying into this topic on the show. In episode one last night, there was definitely a lot of diversity in the casting. 
I personally didn't really find anything wrong with that, anything objectionable or anything over the top. It wasn't like there was just, you know, you walk around a corner and there's just, you know, hobbits, uh, two two hobbits with tits and dicks sucking and fucking because they haven't been able to get their pre-op, post-op magic uh, surgery yet. That wasn't in there. And that's what I was expecting. I was expecting a heavy emphasis on, you know, LGBTQTIII and all that shit. And it, it wasn't in there. At least maybe it's coming, but it wasn't in episode one. And as far as diverse casting, I guess people were saying, well, they didn't have, you know, Tolkien's books didn't have diverse casting. He didn't, you know, say that these people were black or not. All right. Well, he also didn't say that they were white. I mean, that's where when you're talking about books, you're imagining a character. Typically, if you're white, you're probably going to imagine a white character unless you're specifically calling out the character as black. But I don't know if black people read Tolkien and they don't have an exposure to movies in advance. You're probably a black guy imagining a black character you know, a black Bilbo. And in fact, Bilbo sounds like a pretty good black pimp name. <laughs> let's not, let's not joke around at it. Bilbo. <laughs> I, would you be surprised if a Bilbo got drafted to the NFL? I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. But I mean, who fucking cares? There's a difference to me in, in, in casting that is changing a character tangibly. Like, for example, you know, if you've got somebody that's an established as a white character and then you kill them and you flip it and now they're black, you know, like with the, the Batgirl, like they canceled the Batgirl movie where they made her black. I don't know. I don't know if that caused people to stare. I don't know if they're annoyed or intrigued by it. When they made Superman's son gay, you know, that this type of thing is, it's intentional. It's too blatantly obvious what they're trying to do. They're leading not with a character that has developed that you can get behind. They're putting it in your face and saying, you have to like this character because this character is gay or black or whatever, right? And it's blatant because they're changing a character to create something that meets the agenda. When you're talking about Tolkien, I don't know, man. I I would guess that there's probably different colored halflings, you know, or whatever the fuck they were. They weren't hobbits in this. They're like smaller than hobbits, these these creatures. Yeah, I don't know. There's black ones, there's white ones, there's tan ones, there's one that, uh, I don't know, they all have Irish accents. What the fuck ever, man? Who cares? That to me isn't woke. Diverse casting isn't in its own essence woke. I will tell you this. I mean, Pinocchio was on. They made the fairy godmother a very short, shorn uh, black chick in that. That threw me more. That to me, I was like, eh. All right, that's a little annoying. And to me, I was only really annoyed by it because I would have, you know, it's a time period piece and this chick shows up with this ultra fucking modern haircut of a black chick, you know, with the short cropped hair. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. If, if Give her a fucking wig, man, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash. But getting back to Blazing Saddles. Would they have made it today? Okay, yeah, you probably would have my woke dar go up, uh, you know, Oh God. All right. It's going to be a black sheriff and he's going to go in this town and everybody's going to be racist to them. And Oh my God. I roll. It's an instant. eye roll. And there's a, probably a lot of people that would not watch it where it rolled out today in its exact form. However, there are people like, for example, I mean, if I watch something that I I'll roll my eyes and then get into it, because if you give it a chance, okay, it can win you over. I'm not opposed to good content. I'm not, I mean, funny is funny. That's the beauty of comedy. That's the beauty of something like Blazing Saddles. This is why we fight the fight that comedy cannot be restrained or censored because you can, with good jokes, break through comedy. And even if people go in with their eyes rolling, you can win them over by the end just by being funny as fuck. And Blazing Saddles, should it have been made made in its original fashion today, would win people over. Would it piss off the uber left? Of course it would. So the question is, could it be made today in its original format? No. 
No. Right? We can both agree that if, if it was made today, it probably would be called woke for sure, but it would still win through because of the, com- the comedic nature of it. But it would never be made in its current form because it has rape jokes in it. One of the funniest jokes in the whole film is a rape joke. Where Mongo, or you know, uh, yeah, Mongo, who of course you can't call a character Mongo either because it's short for Mongoloid, which you know now you can't say that either because it's supposedly a, a slur against uh, people that have disabilities. Uh, and I don't even know if you can say people with disabilities anymore. You can't say anything anymore. That's the point of this, right? Even to joke about it, even to make it into a joke, mocking the fact that this this term exists. But he goes, you know, Mongo, this big character, he goes, oh, what do you like? Oh, I like rape, murder, and rape. And he goes, oh, you said rape twice. He goes. I like rape. You know, and now I butchered the joke a little bit, but you get the idea. It's a very funny joke. There's jokes throughout about the color of the main character's skin, but you also have Gene Wilder in there who just doesn't give a shit, who's just his friend to be his friend. And even, even Gene Wilder has funny jokes in it about this black sheriff. He wakes up out of his out of his drunken stupor and the sheriff is black and he just has a bit of like, what the fuck? The, you know, the sheriff's black. It's genius because you need to have a character understand that what he's seeing, for the time especially, is out of the usual. You have to have a character process that, be able to make a joke out of it, to say, okay, this is a little bit absurd, but here's why it shouldn't be. And today, you would not be afforded that ability. You would absolutely be denied. They'd make you take it out. They'd flat out reject it. Now, there was a, a movie that looked absolutely atrocious called like Kung Fu Dog or Paws of Fury. Paws of Fury, that's what it was. People were saying it was a modern day remake of Blazing Saddles. It was dog shit. It got no reviews. Nobody saw it. Or sorry, it got terrible reviews and nobody saw it. Why? Because it was a modern day woke remake of Blazing Saddles with all the funny stuff taken out and no edge to it. It was made for children. You're making a fucking Blazing Saddles for children? That's what we're talking about. So no, obviously you could not make Blazing Saddles today. You absolutely could not. But I did think it was an interesting exercise to talk about whether or not it would simply considered be considered woke and if people would treat it differently were it rolled out today. And assuredly they would. Okay. <sighs> Moving on. Last thing. And I'm going to call this a day. Sorry it's short, guys. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's been a, it really has been a hell of a day. It's been a, if any you guys who have kids know, I'm sure, you know, you don't need to, to have me explain it again. Oh, man. Yeah, the level of exhaustion is, uh, is high. Okay. So, last thing, I, uh, I saw this article and just, you know, it's, it's like the race to the bottom, right? When it comes to education in our society. So, in New York, New York State, they have a test, a standardized test for literacy. Now, I know, Brian, you're going to say, Brian, uh, let me guess. New York isn't going to test its school children in literacy anymore because it's racist. Well, yeah, they probably haven't done that. They probably have, have dropped that standardized testing, of which, of course, I scored in the 98th percentile every time when it came to reading the vocabulary because I am a fucking genius. But no, we're not talking about the kids, fellows and fellettes. <laughs> fellatios uh we are talking about the teachers in new york state the teachers now because of new york state finding that the literacy tests for teachers people applying to be teachers in the state of new york city found that 38 percent, or something like actually let me find let me, i don't want to i don't want to flub this let me pull up the exact 
stat for you so people can't accuse me of just making shit up and being racist. You can accuse me of being racist, but not of making shit up. Okay. So this is on the, the certification exam. Now then, only 38% of aspiring black teachers and 46% of aspiring Hispanic teachers passed the test between September 2013 and June 2016 compared to 69% of their white peers. They had, and the state teachers union argued that this test was unnecessary because teachers already had to pass several other certification exams. Now, this was outside of their certification exams that they had to pass. Otherwise, this was specifically on literacy. Now, you'd think literacy, when you're a teacher, and I don't give a fuck what topic you're teaching, would be incredibly valuable and incredibly important to be able to do, right? Because if you're talking about communication, if you're teaching math, if you're teaching history, you still have to read and you still have to communicate. And literacy is definitely an indicator of how well you can communicate. Maybe Adam Carolla would argue with me because he's got dyslexia, but he still reads and he still is quite literate, has written many, many books. A former carpenter, right? Point being, though, they have now decided, well, they uh, they don't need this test anymore because it's racist. If someone can explain to me how this would help in any way and why if these people are going through the exact same certifications, right? The exact same programs to create teachers that are giving them their degrees that are giving them. And I'm sure you have to have, I think you have to have like a fucking master's now to teach, which is just, again, an inverted pyramid of stupid since teachers don't get paid that much. And I would argue rightly so considering the fact that they do have hours that are shorter than almost any other job in the world, maybe other than crab fishermen where you can only fish for three months a year, but you know, teachers who get three fucking months off in the summertime, which is not only increasing their base pay. If you compare it on an hourly basis, but also they have the option to work and do summer school. They have the option to teach and do other jobs. They have the option to get another job and add on to their base salary with all of its benefits and all of its early retirements. And they also have the benefit of not having to pay for their kids to fucking go to daycare, to go to summer school, to go to camps, to do whatever like working parents do otherwise, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars a year. So fuck off telling me teachers don't make enough money. But point being, the argument does make a little bit more sense when you've got people that are now required to get a master's in education to teach a bunch of jag off fourth graders to read about, you know, Billy the Red Dingleberry Dog. But I don't see how this could removing a literacy test helps anybody. And I don't see how you could argue that somehow the same, you know, the same programs that all these people are graduating from. Uh, having disparate rates is racist. I don't know what you could argue the cause is, honestly, other than the potential argument that they are pushing through. And this is, we've seen this documented time and time again, notably in law schools at, uh, I think it was Yale, notably at different high school levels where they have been told specifically, and this is a 100% true story I talked about on the show, specifically told that black students could not be held accountable for truancy, for not doing homework, for acting out in class. Uh, there was like a, a couple of things for being late and something else, right? Couldn't be held accountable, couldn't let it impact their grade. These programs designed to put people ahead always end up pulling them back because if you're lowering the standard for people that if they, they have to hold themselves to, 
How do you expect them to uphold a higher standard when they're compared to the rest of the world that has a different set of standards that apply to everybody that aren't altered to fit your racial type? It is fucking poison. Not only from a just a base level of you're pushing people forward that aren't ready, but these people now have been sold a, soft, a false bill of confidence in their own abilities. And that might be the biggest thing. Right. If they knew, look, they're pushing me ahead. I'm not good. Enough. I'm not going to be good enough at this. I need to work harder, but they probably don't. They're probably told they're doing great. Here's your A. Here's your B. Move along. You're totally fine because these people that are teaching them don't want to be accountable. We know that about teachers unions. We know that about the educational system. There's zero accountability. And there's an emphasis on pushing people forward and not failing them because so much funding depends on the academic success. So they're fighting tooth and nail to remove any standard for academic success because that impacts their budgets. This is nothing to do with children. It is nothing to do with race to these people. It is nothing to do with uh, equity. It is everything to do with money. But still, point at the end of the day is that they're pushing forward people who aren't ready and they're doing it on racial grounds. So these people Go forward thinking that they have the skills they need to succeed because liars and charlatans and self-centered fucks have taught them that and they find out the harsh reality when they move forward. And that is an absolute disservice. It's despicable to do that to somebody. It's like when all these fucking helicopter parents you know, these or these bullshit you know, uh, stage parents that are there all the time fighting tooth and nail for little Billy to always get the best of life. And little Billy can't do anything wrong. He's my angel. He's so smart. You've got to give him a better grade. No, no, you're hurting your kid by not telling him, go fucking work harder. Tell him you're not that good at this, dude. You're not going to be a soccer star. You're not going to be a mathlete. You can tell if your kid sucks shit at something. You can tell. And you know what? It might be better to push them in a different direction or ask them to work harder rather than asking the coach to put them on the team. Otherwise, you're going to cause a stink at the next PTA meeting. And that's what we're seeing here. And this fucking test, dropping the literacy requirement for racial reasons because a certain segment isn't performing on a test, which I'm sorry, literacy test. I don't see how that could be racial in any way. If you're going through school, you need to learn basic vocabulary. You need to learn basic reading skills. If you haven't, that's that. This is a disservice to the kids in New York State. Their school's already blow. Good luck sucking. And I look forward to seeing the new fights about getting kids into school districts in New York after this shit takes place. And you have a new generation of teachers coming in that can't fucking read. All right, that's going to do it, guys. That's going to wrap it. I got places to lie down. I've got things to do. I've got babies to shake. So wish me luck, guys. I will be back next week. Uh, hopefully a little bit more refresh. Thank you for listening to Mean Age Daydream. Don't forget, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. I know I've talked about Do Nothing Man. I've tried to finish it five times now. It is done, except I keep listening back and finding little plot holes that I have to fix. So uh, once I can get my wits about me and have a little bit of time, I will uh, put the final edit in and that will be out any day now. So join at patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty. And uh, also you can join us at lionsofliberty.locals.com. Get my good morning fuckhead rants. You get our, uh, what we're going to be doing is a Mark's Taken Conspiracy Corner with him. That's one of our shows. But we're going to be doing a show called Secrets 
lies, and cover-ups. That is our show, our spin on Conspiracy Talk. We're going to be recording one of those very soon. And of course, it's football season. We are doing our Degenerate Gamblers League, where Rico and Odie and I and some special guests talk shit. Uh, I did I did the show actually literally live the next morning after my uh, my baby popped. And uh, we were talking about Rico's car breaking down and him having to, you know, suck some dick to get a ride. And, yeah, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do to get a toe in Cleveland. <laughs> So anyway, it's a good time, and we have a league. You can still get in. We'll allow you to get in if you join now, if you want to play, uh, where we pick games every week, and we give you Lions Cash, and if you end up beating me or Odie or Rico, uh, well, you have to beat all three of us, actually. You have to beat the top dog, but you get a free T-shirt. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of shit-talking, and uh, we like to give back to our listeners. So there you go, guys. All right, that's it. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network, only two, and yes, Stay tuned for some announcements about uh, the Lions of Liberty Network and what we're going to be doing with it. Uh, I bid you a good day from me and from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those tired, tired electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.